My guest today is Zane, aka After Sound. Hello, Zane. How's it going, Mike? How are you? Very good. I'm, I'm grateful that you could be here, especially at the end of the year, right before New Year's. I mean, everybody else is in party mode. They've gone <laughs> offline, but here you are, and you're ready to chat. So the way that we connected, just for anyone that doesn't know, we initially spoke on Twitter and a few tweets back and forth led to us having our first call live the other day uh, for something different. We decided to live stream our first ever chat on Instagram which was a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I realized that I'd be crazy not to get you on the podcast, given your background as an independent artist and your strong, um, I'm trying to think of the word here, your passion mm. for music. and <laughs> I'd love for you to sort of introduce yourself in your own words and, and tell us about yourself. Sure. So um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, this is still a little surreal in some senses, just because of the fact that uh, I think before you and I even connected, I actually came across uh, your work with the book. So kind of like reading through that and then obviously having the chat we had on Instagram Live a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even just last week, I think. And then now being here on the podcast, this is, uh, this is awesome. Uh, so I, it's an honor for me and really appreciate it and excited to just kind of talk more with you. But um, my story in a nutshell, uh, I'm an independent artist originally from Chicago, just moved to Los Angeles three-ish months ago, I guess coming up on four months. So I wanted the warm weather and I wanted to uh, just be around other creatives and uh, it's been good so far, but I am in the kind of electronic pop space and uh, been at this, man, I guess for the better part of a decade now, uh, I started off as an independent artist under my actual name, which I realized was a mistake. Nah, I mean, it's it's totally fine, but um, it's it's one of those things where I, I started after sound a little bit later, a couple of years a couple of years ago, uh, as a band or as a group, just because I didn't want to go the solo route anymore. Uh, and then after my drummer and I parted ways at the end of last year, been focusing on getting more into the more into the electronic side of things. I picked up Ableton several years ago, so uh, it's been an interesting journey in that sense of what. Um, you know, my progression with music as somebody who just started off playing on an acoustic guitar and now producing a lot of my own songs or co-producing some songs and producing for other artists. So it's been a fun journey, but you know, this, I think, honestly, this is one of the best times to be alive if you are any type of creative and especially for, for musicians. Um, you know, this is, it's, it's a really exciting time. And I think I've only really begun to wrap my head around how awesome it is over the last maybe like 18 months or two years. So. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at. I release music as Aftersound. I know I was introduced to Zayn, but that's uh, yeah. I guess that's it. Sorry, I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say. What do you want from me, Mike? <laughs> I'm getting what I want right now. This is perfect. You're an independent artist. A lot of the audience are independent artists, and mm. this information applies to anybody. What we're going to talk about today. So it's really good to get your perspective, and that's why I wanted to get you on here. I love what you said about how exciting it is right now for an artist. I mean, not just independent, but any artist really. True, yeah. The information you've got access to, the tools, there's, there's less doubt now and there's more information that you can see where your music is getting placed, where it's getting played, where mm. your fans are, where you should be touring. There's just all of this information that used to be very restricted and limited and not as reliable is now available, which that really excites me. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the two big buzzwords that I feel are always thrown out are, are 
gatekeepers or middlemen. And, you know, it's, it's kind of really cool to see that you don't need that anymore in order to be able to release music or release actually any type of art and connect directly with a fan or supporter or whatever you call them. Uh, people that just appreciate the work that you do and, and want you to put more out of more of it out into the world. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Every artist, I believe there's an audience out there for them, whether or not in that artist's lifetime, they will connect with them or not is really up to them. I mean, you've got to do everything you can to try and reach that audience, find Mm -hmm. your audience, and then really just maintain that audience, keep delivering music to them, stay in contact with them, keep giving love back to them. It's, I see so many artists out there that just put out a song and go, oh, there's nobody out there that enjoys this. And they didn't do anything to try and reach those people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the thing is, there's so many, so many avenues now that you can reach people. I mean, you, you can literally spin one of those things and land on any social media network and, um, you know, reach people directly through there. You know, there's a lot being talked about with Google ads, Facebook ads, um, or social media advertising, and and even just reaching out directly to people, maybe through LinkedIn or finding playlist curators, uh, independent playlist curators, or submitting your song directly through Spotify. There's just so many opportunities for you to get your song uh, or get your music in front of uh, as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And those opportunities just keep coming. I mean, it's... Um... It's crazy. I know that we're going to talk about curators as well and all of the different tools that you have out there, such as Pandora for artists, Spotify for artists, Apple mm-hmm. Music for artists, Bands in Town for artists, the list yeah. on, and distributors giving, access, giving you access to various tools, CD Baby giving you show.co to help you with your releases and promoting mm-hmm. them. It's just, it's insane. In, in a good way. The amount of yeah, yeah. we have now as artists, I love it. You know, I did mention that we are obviously recording this live and there will be comments that are coming in. We actually just had one and I believe it's directed to you, Zane. This one came in on LinkedIn. I apologize if I say your name incorrectly. Sanj Pali wrote, hi, are you performing? Now, I assume that that would be directed at you, and I'm not sure if they're looking for a live performance right now or not, but let's just assume it's are you a performing artist? Are you currently touring or do you just mm, okay within your home, in your studio, and put it out? So uh, I am a performing artist. Actually, one of the things I love to do um, is perform live. Uh, I have not performed... I guess since the beginning of the year, I played a festival down in San Diego. And since then, I've actually just been focusing on writing and recording and putting more music out. Uh, just in, in a way, I feel like I was this, this year has been a little trans, transitional for me, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Transitional in the sense that I'm truly trying to figure out what path I want to take, where my sound is kind of developed from here. Like I said, getting into a lot more electronic elements. And, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want to be a DJ because I, I sing as well. And enjoy writing and a lot of the, the other aspects, but I do plan on performing in the future. Right now, it's just more so of creating the songs that I have in my head, getting that out to the world. And then uh, once, once I'm deeper into the process of that, or, or hopefully once that's complete, uh, figuring out how to translate that into a memorable live experience, because yeah, like playing live is one of the most fun things that I've ever done. And I used to play a lot of live shows in Chicago when I lived there. I have not played anything in LA. Uh, just because right now it's like I said, transitional in a lot of ways for me musically, but also personally 
trying to build up the network, trying to find people to play with and, and just build that, that network of musicians uh, in a new town, basically. But playing live is something that I've enjoyed and I very much look forward to getting back to um, either later on in 2020 or, um, yeah, you know what, let's be optimistic. Let's try for later 2020. Perfect. And you mentioned about building up that network of artists that you could potentially tour with. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about support slots, uh, whether they are some support acts for you or you jump on as a support act for them. Mm-hmm. How do you go about building that network? Because it's, it's easy enough to say, obviously, there's other artists out there in a similar genre, but it's a lot more complex than that. How do you grow that network and how do you maintain that network? Um, so, well, it's, and it's not even just support acts or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for, for, uh, potentially touring musicians, drummers, guitars, things like that. So it's, it's people within, you know, that I'd want to work directly with also, but you know, there's no one size fits all and there's no magic bullet when it comes to building your network. It's literally one person at a time or a group of people at a time. And it's just about getting out there. Now, the beautiful thing is that you can get out there in air quotes, without ever leaving your home, right? So I think some of the really, really cool ways, and I'll use personal examples just because that's that's what's happened to me. So I know that if it's happened to someone like me, who's just a random regular dude from Chicago, it can happen to anyone in the sense that like, I've been to the conference, I've, I've been to many conferences in the past. I've met really cool folks there that I've collaborated with, done remixes for, or done features, whatever the case is. But like I was saying also, just social media, me reaching out to people through Instagram or vice versa. You know, when they say it's going down in the DMs, like, or sliding to your DMs, people always laugh. But honestly, like, that's that's where it happens. And sometimes it's a numbers game. Sometimes you have to send a hundred messages just to get one back or just to get one yes. But um, you know, I, I've had I put out a song a year ago, a little over a year ago, and at that time I was really focused on just building out my Instagram. So I was on Instagram every day commenting on other photos, trying to find other musicians, things like that. And uh, through that, I was able to get three musicians that wanted to remix my song for, I mean, they were just were interested. So at that point in my life or at that point in my career, nobody had ever remixed any of my music. So just to have somebody come through and say, hey, I like your song enough that I want to, you know, take time out of my day, my life, my busy schedule and create something that's a derivative work of that because I'm inspired by what you've created. That's awesome. So like I said, I've worked now over the last maybe year and a half with maybe maybe five to six artists who I've never met in person, but we have either spoken on the phone or connected via, uh, or wait, I think we connected via Instagram. Some of them I've never even spoken to on the phone because they live in a different country. Um, and we'll just do either, um, you know, we'll, we'll just chat via email and, and Instagram or, or text or whatever. But yeah, yeah that, you made some really good points there. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, about connecting with artists at music conferences as well. I mean, just to be clear, there's different types mm-hmm. of music conferences out there. There's the business types and then there's the ones where it's all about the artists. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, hey, there's music business conferences out there that don't benefit artists but there are ones that are specifically catered to the artists so i know that in our previous chat we were both talking about cd baby's diy musician conference and how we missed each other at that obviously in my opinion as as far as conferences that i have attended that is one of the strongest if you're an artist and you're looking to find fellow artists who collaborate with who learn from to help each other it's uh Mm -hmm. Definitely one of the most valuable I found. And 
Yeah, that's that's basically the one. I know that there's others out there, but I'm just speaking from experience mm. as an attendee. Um, obviously, I got to speak as well, but I also had the pleasure of attending the entire conference and just taking it all in and truly mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I had so many moments where I was just blown away at the talent and the, the feeling of community in there. It was mm-hmm. walk down in the lobby and people would just be walking around with their instruments in their hand. Next thing you know, somebody gets a coffee, they go to a corner and they just start jamming a group of people that have never met before and instantly connect because of music. Seeing that was just, just mind blowing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I cannot say enough great things about um, CD baby first as a distributor, then second, you know, the conference that they have, you know, CD Baby was one of the first distributors that I worked with. You know, I think that they do a lot for their artists. They are always striving to to get, you know, new tools and, and metrics and things like that. And then the conference especially, that I, I've seen conference tickets, ticket prices for other conferences, and those can be way out there. Whereas, you know, year in and year out, it seems that that conference is always very affordably priced. And like you said, I think... And this is irrespective, not not just the DIY conference, but any conference in general, you know, when people are taking time out of their schedules and taking, uh, you know, and, and investing, um, you're going to get a certain caliber of people there who are taking their career seriously. And if you are, if you're in kind of that same mentality, same mindset, it's really awesome to be surrounded by people who are kind of as hungry as you are, because all those conversations are very productive. They lead to things. They open your mind up to new things. And yeah, I mean, I I think it's really beneficial to do things in person like that if possible. Yeah, definitely. And it's worth mentioning as well that if people can't attend the conference, they do broadcast it all online. (sighs) And I was crazy to find out how they don't actually make any money out of the conference because Mm -hmm. they don't pay any of the speakers. So it's literally they're doing it at, at cost so that it, it is that cheap and affordable and that's important for an independent artist. So I know mm-hmm. it kind of almost feels like an ad for the content. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to not share any links All right. where you can go to find out, but, I mean, you know, we're just speaking from experience and there, sure. there are other conferences out there that are great as well and, when I attend them and I get to experience them myself, I'll happily talk about those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, 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 halfway through, I was just like, this sounds like a testimonial that they're just going to clip. But <laughs> uh, no, I, like I said, it's, they're, they're great, but it doesn't have to be them. You know, they're just ones that I think Mike and I have experienced. So um, it's definitely worth, uh, worth looking into. Yep, absolutely. So we're starting to get some comments rolling in now as well, which is very cool to see. Lance Allen, obviously good friend of mine. I've spoken with Lance on the podcast before. He felt the need to tell us that he's having some lasagna and listening. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm a little jealous, uh, but appreciate you listening, Lance, and uh, creepily looking at us from whatever you are <laughs> in the picture. Okay. What's up, Lance? You're a legend, man. Um, yeah. I know you've probably spoken with a bunch of people and I, we actually never met Lance, but uh, I think the one year that you spoke at the CD Baby conference, and I think there was an article about how, what you were able to do with streaming for your own music and getting on playlists. Yeah. I mean, kudos. I think that there's a lot to be learned from that. Yeah. And Lance is just his, his process and the way that he works is just 
anyone could replicate it, but nobody does. Mm -hmm. And it blows my mind. I mean, I, I say to people, I say, if you're an acoustic guitarist and you want to see how far you could take this as far as potential success across streaming to the point where you may be able to quit your day job and just record from home and do whatever else you want to do in your life, watch what Lance does and copy it. I don't mean copy his music, but <laughs> you know, look at how he engages with people on social media. Look at how consistent he is with his releases. Mm -hmm. Look at how he collaborates yep. with other artists. And you start to realize that it's one thing to have great music, but it's a lot more than that. You still need to get behind that music, do a little bit of marketing. It doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of, a lot of money. I mean, Lance has posted pictures on his social media where he has sat down with his kids and they've done some outreach about his music to curators and things like that. So he is living and breathing it. And he is a perfect example of, yeah. if you put in the little bit of extra work, you'll see some great results from that. Yeah. Speaking of releases for Lance, if you're still tuned in, man, you are you are one prolific. You are prolific as hell because I, I actually follow you on Spotify and you are always popping up on my release radar. So I just wish I could release music as often as that. That'd be that'd be nice. <laughs> That's it. Well, Lance is a is a stay at home dad. He's a family guy, not like the TV show. And anytime he wants, he just hits record. He just goes for it. He he doesn't hesitate. And that's what I love about Lance. He's a go-getter. He doesn't stop. He just, I've got an idea. I'm going to record it right now. I'll put it out. Done. You know, whereas a lot of people yeah. hesitate or they, they feel that they have to get that perfect recording. Sometimes you're better off just putting it out because it sounds more real. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and Lance just obviously <laughs> listening. Heck yeah. We appreciate you, Lance. <laughs> we do. We do. Cool. So let's jump into what I know you're really excited to talk about. Let's talk about the, the tech side of the music industry. You know, I'd really like to ask you your opinion on Twitch and if you feel Twitch is valuable for a musician as far as live streaming on Twitch. Yeah, no. So um, Twitch, I think, is awesome. I, I had the chance to listen to... Uh, your interview with Karen Allen, I met her as well at the DIY, DIY conference back in August. And even before that, though, I think I, I had started streaming on Twitch maybe about a year ago. Uh, but my problem is I just haven't been consistent with it and I haven't figured out what my angle is. Because um, I do, it'd be nice to jump on and, and, and do, you know, acoustic guitar, things like that. Or the other things that I have been playing with is just kind of producing or, or creating remixes and streaming my entire process, just having kind of like Ableton up on the screen. But um, just speaking from a general perspective, I'm still very bullish on Twitch. Uh, I, you know, Twitch is owned by Amazon. It's not going anywhere. Amazon is throwing a bunch of money into it. And at the end of the day, Twitch specifically, uh, not live streaming, but Twitch specifically started off as a gaming platform. And esports and gaming, like none of that, you know, that's that's only on a very, very low level of what will be a meteoric rise in terms of popularity. Um, but I think what's really cool about Twitch specifically is that they are trying to broaden their horizons uh, and focus on other areas, whether that's uh, art or music or talk or podcast, whatever the case is. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm still very bullish on Twitch. I know it's super hypocritical of me to be saying that without streaming as much as I should be. 
Um, but it's more so just about creating the type of um, schedule and co- or content schedule that I'd like to and finding finding time for that. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still a big fan of Twitch. And like I said, just the fact that they're owned by Amazon and what live streaming has done over the past uh, maybe couple of years or where it's come, especially after the, the Fortnite kind of explosion. Mm. Um, I've seen some music- musicians who are doing fantastic things on Twitch. Twitch is also getting much more friendly with their creators. Um, sorry, not friendly, but they're getting much more supportive in terms of finding ways for the creators to monetize. So like the the weird thing is that I actually did hit affiliate status, but not partner status. And before there were monetization uh, options only available for partners um, and not for affiliates, which they have now started to trickle down. So like I said, I mean, there's, this is the beautiful thing about like the music industry today. Like you could be an artist who creates an entire uh, community around you and your music on Twitch. Um, and this is just a live streaming platform. I've seen it with other people who are literally just getting up there once or twice or three times a week, playing music from their bedroom with a, a very minimal setup. And, you know, that will start translating into streams on Spotify, Apple Music. And if you're, if you're monetizing on Twitch, like all that stuff just starts to really snowball very, very quickly. So um, live streaming in general, I think is, is uh, very, going to be very strong in the future, but Twitch, I think, will continue leading the charge. Yeah. I think so too, and I've had the opportunity to spend some time on there. And I'm not, I'm not a gamer by any means. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I play games very occasionally, and I'm terrible at it. And yeah. I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to watch me. But <laughs> watching these people on there, it's it's fascinating because they manage to play a video game for four hours, sometimes longer, and they've got thousands of people actively watching them, hanging off everything that they're doing in the game and just what they're saying. And you just see all of this, I guess, the equivalent of money rolling in as people start giving them gifts and Mm -hmm. getting name displayed on the screen and getting shout outs. And it's just, I can see why an artist could make a very good living out of live streaming with a platform like Twitch. The fact that you can just, fire up your your phone or your computer, grab your instrument, go live, and instantly an audience can tune in and contribute. It's it's exciting. And I look forward to seeing what happens with it next because I know that obviously it started as with a, a gaming focus, but I'm starting to see more and more musicians coming on and actually having great results because there's it's still the early stages mm-hmm. for musicians so there's, so. Not, there's not as many on there and i guess you would have seen that firsthand as well yeah no i mean like i said I, i've definitely seen some musicians who are building their their communities on there and you know the thing is sometimes it's fast sometimes it's slow most of the time it's going to be slow you're going it's it's a slog in terms of just getting, you know, one fan at a time or having those interactions because these are in real time or happening in real time. But, you know, I, I mean, I think the time that you spend on there, unless it is extremely, you know, unless there's nobody tuning in or you can't get any type of traction, uh, I think the time that you spend on there will always be productive because even at the end of the day, I think the cool thing that you could do is if, you know, the way Twitch has it set up on the back end, you can have um, you can download those videos. So at the end of the day, if nobody tunes in, it's still productive in the sense that you can download those videos, take clips of you performing acoustically, 
and post that onto YouTube, post that onto other social media platforms and use that as content elsewhere. So you get the double benefit of recording something or having a, a nicely recorded uh, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're producing like I was trying to do or whether you're produ- or um, recording music uh, or not recording or whether you're playing music, whatever it is that you're trying to do, you can take those, cut them into bite-sized clips and, you know, post them everywhere else on the internet. I love that because, you know, obviously people use the word content a lot now mm-hmm. and they assume that that means that every piece of content is brand new and created specifically just for that platform. And this, what, what you're saying is that's not the case at all. You, like one example right now, we're going live. We're live on five different platforms, video and audio, comments coming in. The video of this will be cut up and used in clips on Instagram and other social media mm-hmm. or highlights. And the audio will be converted into a podcast and put out on pretty much every podcast platform that will have me. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, um, you can really do just that. You go, you go live for two hours and then you've got enough content to last you a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And everyone assumes that every time people see content, I always say, speak in present tense or current tense. Speak as if it's happening right now. If you took a picture two weeks ago, don't say two weeks ago, I was here doing this. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. If it's happening right now, because perception is reality. I've had so many people assuming that I'm in Australia. Apart from the accent, I was there earlier this year. I posted some pictures up and I didn't say throwback to when I was in Australia speaking at this conference. Mm-hmm. I just shouted out the conference and something I discussed in there. And I had all these people, even friends of mine, hitting me up going, I didn't know you were back in Australia. Um, <laughs> Perception is reality. So if you don't, you know, if you record that on Twitch, you don't need to say, I went live on Twitch last week and here's a clip from it. Just put that clip up. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, uh, you know, uh, what's Gary V actually has like a really good, like how to release 64 pieces of content today. So I know we're, we're talking about it, but there's, you know, a lot of people kind of have this mentality where you can take a long form piece of content, chop it up into, into smaller things and then create so much more value out of it. So just taking even like an hour out of your day, you can create content across all these different platforms. Yep, absolutely. Let's jump on to the next platform. Let's talk about... All TikTok. right, what you got? TikTok. My favorite. Uh, TikTok. Oh, man. Okay, I'll kick it off quickly. Uh, I see you have getting a sip of water there. So TikTok... I only signed up recently and I actually installed it on my wife's phone because I was terrified of how many hours I may spend on there. And <laughs> she loved it. It's addictive, isn't it? It it really is. So I I have it on my phone, but I purposely don't open it. And what happens now is my wife every day goes on there, finds a bunch of videos, favorites them. At the end of the day, we sit down and she'll show me them. And mm-hmm. she's having a great time with it and without even realizing that she's kind of doing some research for me as well. But she's always happy to help. She's super yeah, supportive. Yeah. And um, just watching it and, and seeing what works and what gets your attention. And I, I would really love to get a look into the back end because I feel like they know you so well. Mm-hmm. It's almost scary because if you haven't had the app that long, um, they, they seem to know that, yes, dogs doing funny things, 
that's number one. I'm going to deliver more of that to you. Um, and then, you know, crazy dance moves and, and old people being funny and goofy. That's, <laughs> that's my weakness right there. There you go. That's all you need. So, yeah, what, what's your experience with TikTok? Uh, so, um, first of all, I think TikTok has had a crazy year in terms of just launching certain artists or certain songs into kind of like the next level or even up to the highest level that you can. I mean, the, the example I was given is Lil Nas, Lil Nas X with Old Town Road, right? But there have been several songs or several artists that I've been following where if they have a song that starts trending on TikTok, um, it can it can change their lives in a sense. Uh, just be with the amount of streams that they get, the amount of attention, the amount of new followers and fans that they can get literally I'm not going to say overnight, but it can happen within a very, very short period of time. And I'm talking like within days, just based on the virality of what TikTok is. Um, my experience, I, I've just started now posting more on it. Uh, I started consuming content just to better understand it. Similar to you. I mean, anything with pets is super funny. Uh, the dancing stuff is always cool just because I don't dance. I wish I did. So there's a lot. There's, there's actually a big movement for dance tutorials on there. So like where they'll like for the first half of the video, they show you how they're doing the dance in slow motion and they get into it. So, um, but it's, to me, it's just, there's so much more to it. I think, you know, it originally started off as musically where people were using it as a way to record themselves kind of doing a lip singing or lip syncing, whatever to, um, you know, their favorite songs. And the thing is I actually had musically, I don't know when it was back in a couple of years ago. Um, but I just didn't, like I said, I didn't have an, I didn't have a need for it. I wasn't paying as much attention to it. And for me, I wasn't as focused on it, but now with what TikTok has done in the past year, uh, I think it's really exciting. I think that there is still a lot of potential on it. And I, I think, uh, and I'm going to say this not so secretively, but you know, I think Instagram's in trouble. I think Instagram will need to find a way to make themselves or make the platform a little bit more relevant. You know, one of the things that I was curious to get your take on as we're kind of looking at platforms and, and um, just where the, the industry will be in 2020, I wonder if people are starting to feel that if Instagram is a little too saturated now, or if it's just, you know, too much, if it's becoming what Facebook was or, or, or is now in terms of the platforms, you know, somewhat aging up uh, because I've met a lot of my nieces and nephews who they'll have an Instagram account, uh, but they are always on TikTok and TikTok is where they spend 90% of their social media time. So, you know, in a sense, I'm wondering how does, how does, how do Facebook and Instagram stay relevant? Um, you know, are they going to add certain functionality in kind of in the way that they copied Snapchat and they stole the story concept from Snapchat? Um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if they're, they're going to find a way to stay relevant in that sense, because if not, you know, I think I just, I just, like I said, from the, from, all the kids that I know in my life, nieces and nephews, uh, kids of friends, they're, they're all on TikTok, which is crazy to me because um, this is the first time that, you know, we've seen kind of this big shift into another platform in a while. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And I'm, I'm definitely not writing Instagram off just yet. Um, I say just yet. I'm, I'm not planning to, but what I find funny is, how TikTok encouraged sharing to the point where you can save the video in its entirety with the TikTok logo in it and upload it to your Instagram story and mm -hmm. take it off the platform, but they know that you're, it's got that TikTok logo there. TikTok, yeah. 
You know, so I actually, a lot of my favorite TikTok videos, I see people posting in their Instagram stories. Interesting. Okay. Myself, I go, if I find a funny TikTok video, how can I, obviously I could share the TikTok link or I could just upload it to my Instagram story. And nobody is going to assume that I stole that video and uploaded it because it's clearly got the TikTok logo and it's crediting the user. The the, uh, the username. Hopefully directing more traffic to them in TikTok. So. But what I think, um, Instagram really have a focus on influencers and products and shopping now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if TikTok have a way of incorporating that to the point where there'll be a video and there'll be a product in that TikTok video, and at the end you can swipe up or tap a link to buy that product, Instagram will be in trouble. I yeah. feel like that would be just to Instagram. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure they've got more tricks up their sleeve. I, you know, I've seen there's all these talks currently about Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram sharing direct messaging through all of the apps. So people that were saying, I don't want to have Facebook anymore, but people message me on there. Oh, I can just get those messages in Instagram along with all my other Instagram messages mm-hmm. like that. So it could go one way or the other, or everyone could just say, well, People DM me on Instagram. I don't need Instagram on my phone now. I can just read those messages in Messenger or WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's an interesting. I'm not sure what their reason is for doing it, but because now you you can almost get rid of some of those apps from your device if all the messages are going to come to one location, regardless. So to be, I don't know what's going to happen there. And I'm really curious to see. I personally would love all those messages to go to one location. Um, much easier. Doing the Facebook for business tools where Mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook messages will go to one inbox and you can manage it online. But they haven't really nailed that down in the app yet. Yeah. Well, no. So uh, don't get me wrong. I am not writing Instagram off by any means. Um, It's just... To me, I'm just surprised at the trend of seeing, you know, kind of the next generation or younger generation really focus in on a different platform that isn't owned by uh, Facebook. But like you said, you know, if they can add in all those functionalities, I think that would really change the game. I think the other thing, too, and I know that it's coming, it's just not, oh, it's still in beta testing right now, but, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads are still king and they're still going to, you know, Facebook and Instagram will still be getting advertising dollars and revenue for a very long time. Um, But, you know, as somebody who advertises on Facebook and Instagram to help get my music out there, I'm looking at TikTok because of the, just of the reach and the, the, the daily or monthly active users that they have. And I'm excited to start exploring advertising too. And if they can build an advertising platform similar to what Facebook and Instagram have, then I think people will be really in trouble. But, you know, in terms of like the influencers and things like that heading over, I think that's only just a matter of time. You know, people are creative. They're going to find creative ways to use their influence. You know, Instagram was very much about photos, right? But now you're getting all these creators and creatives um, on the TikTok side who are coming up with videos that are just, frankly, awesome, right? Like they're, they're hilarious or they look stunning or they're engaging for even just for 15 seconds. And, uh, you know, once, once brands start seeing how many eyeballs or these, these videos are getting, it's going to be like, Oh, Hey, you know what, when you take a drink in that video, why not make it a Coke 
Oh, yeah. and then Pepsi comes along and says, "Hey, we'll pay you a little bit more to make it a Pepsi, right?" So it's it's going to be one of those things where I, you know, I feel like the money will eventually come in, but they're definitely on the right path. 